0: Like to see things that like haven't been done. When I can take risks, and then I know that I'm expressing myself.
1: I I never went in on the song so many times. I, I you know I listen to everybody. I listen to all kind of music. The
2: truth is in the
1: This is Public Pulse vibes. My name is Amin TMK. I'm a producer here at Public Pulse. I am here with my counterparts, uh, Little Tanky That Could and Keita the Muscle. What's up? Yo yo yo. Yes. Um. If you know. Us, you know that we love music. We're here for uh, music conversations. And we have been talking about ranking these music
3: decades for a while now. It's a, I think you said a tale as old as time. Man, for real, man. Dead ass. This is one of the conversations. I like I- As a Gen Xer, I feel like we were really good at looking back at music. You know what I'm saying? A big inspiration to the music that we made. And so, like, it's just always been this conversation. Who really got power? What decade really got the wildest shit?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, once we started, I think this is what happens when we get into our process. Because I take things seriously. You you know, I I do this on... I know y'all probably not heavy on dating apps. I be on the dating apps. And something that I get all the time is, I want someone that doesn't take life seriously
3: <laughs> I,
1: I, you know what i'm saying That's, so
3: you're a fucking joke to you and i should be a fucking joke i, I too? should be
1: am i i'm a joke to you i take things incredibly serious so when we when we did this i was like okay well we all of us do we take things serious right there's the only way we put out 70 plus podcasts and all the stuff that we're doing we're amazing um so what do we do? We started trying to figure out how we were going to do this. So at first, we just started talking about the decade straight out and started, well, well, what about this one? And what about that one? And what about that one? And then I think we all decided, like, look, we have a lot of blind spots in music, even though we have our, our own things that we enjoy. Music be flavored
3: by nostalgia. Like, look, bro, you love this song because it's the first time you got a hickey, man. It's not that it's really a great song, man.
1: Uh, we had a tremendous amount of fun doing this. We learned a lot about each other doing this. I think you can learn a lot about someone by knowing the type of music they like and why they like it. Not only do we talk about the music that we liked, we talked about... Why we like that. I
3: feel like some caveats we should add right off the top. There are going to be musicians that do not show up in this list for all sorts of reasons. We're not necessarily looking at record sales to determine who is the best. We are not necessarily looking at how popular they were. Uh, We're looking at what is the type of music. Another thing off top is so much music in the world. We did everything we could to purposely deplatform motherfuckers that, for one reason or another, we see their music or their message as inherently oppressive. So it's groups in here that you just not gonna see. We gonna hit the seventies and ain't gonna be no Led Zeppelin. I don't wanna hear shit. It ain't like we never listened. You need to listen to some of the shit motherfuckers had to say about the way them niggas was living their lives, and they just indicative of several other types of artists that you probably ain't gonna see. And
1: on list. I wanna also acknowledge that there's a lot of music out there that was really popular that had the zeitgeist in some way but as we listen to them now they're not that interesting uh some people you're not going to see in the 60s uh jump in at any time the jackson five the jackson five i'm sorry that's not i'm an adult i'm not trying to listen to that i mean respect if you like it but uh some shit i'm not going to be hearing uh, Bob Dylan. There's no Bob Dylan here
3: in the 60s.
1: I don't understand this shit. Every time I hear someone talk about Bob Dylan, I'm like, I'm just not smart. It's, they talk to you like, you just no, not, you don't get it.
3: No, fuck that smart shit. enough. I'm a very smart man with advanced degrees in fucking literature. That shit objectively You don't sucks. agree with me, so you're dumb. Uh, someone else you may not see, a group
1: called the Beatles. Uh, <laughs> we are not a fan. I, I got to tell you. Again, I don't have a huge... Uh, I didn't know too much about the Beatles before I started doing this, but like, frankly, they can't compete with any artist on our list. And, and I will really challenge you to look at the Beatles in comparison to the artists that we're going to be putting on this list, because you would see the Beatles is like the number one or number two band of all time. And sometimes on these lists, before
3: right? It's not about what's popular; it's about what really makes a movement and an impact. Let's talk about what it's like to be in the '60s, in the middle of the fucking sexual revolution, and writing corny shit like "I want to hold your hand." Are you fucking serious? <laughs> Are we fucking 10? Yes.
0: Okay. Some of us, yes. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I but, want the soft intimacy of holding hands. But also the Beatles is not on this list.
1: Um, anything uh, you want to add uh, muscle or, or, or tanky uh, before we start getting the, the the actual list going?
0: Man, hundreds upon hundreds of hours of music. And re-listening, because sometimes it was like that debate. No, I'm excited. Let's get into it. Uh, Real quickly,
1: we had, we listened to, we wanted to create a list of 60 songs for the 60s, 70 for the 70s, 80s for the 80s, 90s, and so on and so forth. Uh, What we did then is we had that list, we whittled it down to 30, but unfortunately, we kept listening to songs and kept adding more songs, so we have all of these songs we had an abridged version, so not only do we listen to a lot of songs, we had to do a lot of administrative stuff, like going back, listening to this, comparing. When, got, when an was algorithm. this song released?
3: When was it released?
1: So yeah, there's actually a lot of controversy behind when these songs are released, and we'll, we'll
3: get into that. Uh,
1: get it set up. I
3: have no more caveats, so let's go ahead. All right, you ready to do this? Let's do this thing.
1: Number 30,
3: Little Wing,
2: Jimi Hendrix, 1966.
1: Um, I just want to say, yeah, so Jimi Hendrix, um, very interesting. I was reading a little bit here on, on, his, on his wiki page, and, you know, of course, it's so difficult to talk about artists like Jimi Hendrix, you know, because you, you really don't get to see them in, like, their later years, you know what I'm saying? Because you 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 lose the, you lost Jimi so early, and just looking up on his his death, you know what I'm saying? There's so much disputes uh, concerning Jimmy's last day and death. He spent much of September 17th, 1970 uh, with an associate in London, the only witness to his final
3: hour. So a lot of people really don't know what happened to Jimmy. There's a lot of controversy surrounding it. And it's always been conspiracy theory in the hood that he was killed. You know what I'm saying? There's only so much literal sex appeal that a non-white man can display in a white supremacist world. Like literally the existence of your sex appeal becomes an existential threat to the way you live and your ability to continue to live, especially when the wrong demographics is people. Facts,
1: yeah. So this is, um, and I think this is one of Jimmy's sort of more mellow, more smooth kind of songs. It's it's not, it it didn't necessarily make, because we all kind of had our own inputs, you know what I'm saying? I'm more of a purple haze kind of person. And, you know, I kind of liked when he getting in his bag with the heavy uh, guitar playing But this one is real nice It's real smooth And uh, I think I do agree that it is One of yeah,
3: Jimmy's it's best a Great opening conversation Like if you've never Really listened to Jimi Hendrix And you want something That's not too wild With the vocals You know Because his vocals are uh, They're an acquired taste You know what I'm saying I personally love them But it's like cilantro For sure uh, But if you just want to see What musically That they was about I think Lil Wings a nice little vignette Number 29 Magic Carpet Ride
2: Steppenwolf 1967
3: To, uh, that what would a be fucking groove. That's man. a groove. Talk that, about that, it, Stepping Wolf. That is a groove. You talk about like fucking just wild ass sixties American rock, like riding a motherfucking Mustang. You know, burn it out in a fucking Corvette in the middle of nowhere. Maybe be on some fat ass hog on the fucking you know Route sixty six. That's the kind of shit you want cranking.
1: Man. You know, they're Canadian American actually. So you know that, that is that's that is. Oh shit.
3: Yes, but. You
1: know they were they formed in l a you know, so it is uh, that exact an American vibe. rock
3: man then, Goddamn, it.
1: yeah, exactly, exactly. you know that 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 little bit of psychedelic rock, a little bit of blues rock. I like to, it's an upbeat joint too, man. I mean, it's really one of them songs, and you hear it a lot in movies and things like that, but it didn't really ruin it for me. You know, a lot of times when you hear a song in a movie over and over again, it's like kind of ruins it for you. But this one is just such an upbeat vibe. It's such, like you said, it puts you in such a a good
3: place. This is good vibe music. It's a song that is not nostalgia, right? Like you could take a person that's never heard shit about this song, drop this song on them, and motherfuckers are shaking their ass, man. Like the song just kind of cranked. Shit go hard. Yeah, they also uh, Born to be Wild. Y'all like that song?
1: to that joint's tough, too. But I I do like this one a little better. Number 28,
2: Blues from an Airplane, Jefferson Airplane, 1966.
1: I'm surprised, again, that Jefferson Airplane only had one, you know, entry in here, because they do have a lot of really good songs. But maybe this is the one that was in the 60s. Maybe the others are in the 70s. Um, But this is a nice little smooth uh, song. Jefferson Airplane, again, also california band you know so you can see we got a little theme going on here early in the list um any thoughts on uh, this particular song before we move on
3: i mean what i love about them first off is it's an allusion to the blues right it shows you where the blues reside in the american consciousness which is very different from where it is now blues was seen as a hip thing something that like people really wanted to swing on um, Jefferson Airplane is a fascinating shit, uh, a fascinating band. I mean, from Jefferson Airplane to Jefferson Starship to Starship, right? Just even having the band's name involved. Um, it, it was really difficult because I too, I really fuck with this band on a high level. I think about, uh, Come Up The Years as like, uh, what an incredible, like Come Up The Years is like the kind of shit Led Zeppelin should have been on. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, and that's a fact. And, like, that's a real moral stance to put for, like, a rock star, you know? Uh, Their music is very well written. I think they harmonize well. Um, It takes me around corners because it does shit I don't expect. Very difficult to pigeonhole this band because they can do a lot of different things. I fuck with them.
2: Number 27, Summertime,
1: The Zombies, 1965. Summertime. And the living is easy. I I really like the Zombies. I think they're exact. I think the Zombies are the band that people think the Beatles are. Like, to me, when I listen to their music, they got exactly what I want from that kind of chill, like, uh, you know, kind of cool, smooth writing that that you get from, you know, a lot of these UK bands. Um, And this one, you know, this song has been done over and over and over and over and over and over again. But I gotta be honest, this is my favorite version. And uh, I just love the sort of landscape that they they bring out with like you know these kind of wealthy California kids uh, your daddy's rich <laughs> and your mama's good looking.
3: Yeah, Janis you know? Joplin came back later and did it. Far Side came back. And I do think about like his relationship to like Cali, right? That whole yes. Cali culture. Ain't got to be nothing more beautiful than fucking summer and fucking Cali, man. San Diego, you know, the sun coming up just right temperature. It's almost
1: always summer you in know, Cali, beaches man. Beaches out there.
3: Yeah, Hell it yeah. It never rains it, right? Number 26.
2: Ain't that good news, Sam Cooke, 1964.
3: Man, ain't that new? Ain't that new? Ain't that good news?
1: Yeah, we might see Sam Cooke a little bit later, maybe. I don't know. I don't know if it's a spoiler or not. But um, something I really do like about this song, and I I think we talk about this, is like the idea that some songs are just kind of timeless, you know. And a lot of '60s songs are like that because, you know, I mean, there was a lot of more like, like songwriting was more folksy just back in the 60s you know what i'm saying you still coming out like you said blues you're still coming out of folk you're still coming out of like um you know like the the billy holiday era the jazz era the blues there's so much going on in the 50s and in the 60s kind of you have this kind of explosion of music which is why i think a lot of people glorify the 60s right like we hear we heard a lot of that in the beginning absolutely 60s is the best era um and i've come to a Deeply appreciate the 60s, actually, but not from the artists that they said I was going to like. Right. And not necessarily the songs they said that we were going to like. And I think that what's interesting about Sam Cooke in the song is like, you know, and I I just think about the vulnerability. Sometimes we talk about like in masculinity or whatever, like he is dead ass saying,
3: my baby's coming home tomorrow. Yeah, Ain't
1: that news? That's conversation mm-hmm. about a-
3: black masculinity in a real way. This is a genuine happy song this is a celebration of partnership of love you know this shows you know it ain't just like you know what i'm saying one of the things we talk about with r&b these days is uh, a term we like to call a crumb syndrome yeah (laughs) can you explain i will not all
0: right you will not (laughs) you're just like figure it out you know you know i'll say god
3: damn it r is plagued with a phenomenon I like to call crumb and it is short for crumb of pussy. Every song is like how much you want to get laid, how much you the pimp, how much you the most irresistible type motherfucker and there isn't a lot of opportunity in music like that to find ways to talk about the ways that we deeply impact upon people, the ways that people impact upon us, you know what I'm saying? And then this song, it's none of that. Of course, you know, baby coming home got some uh, implications, but really what's the most important thing is I'm being this person energy and I'm just so happy I got to talk about that in a real way. You know, we're calling motherfucker like that as simp today. That's an absolute fact, man,
1: and it tells you like where we are in terms of this idea of like we progressing. And I think that's a a great thing that listening to older music brought for us. Like, like male vulnerability, like in those songs, are like vastly different. You know what I'm saying? And they are today, but you would think some like not that they are today, but like what is mainstream available. You know, like th- this is a song with real vulner- vulnerability, and we always kind of hear like masculinity aggressive this kind of thing but but when you go back and you listen to the music and you really can see and we'll talk about this more I think specifically with Otis because Otis might be on this list um, and again I think we're going to do this and we, and we got we got a lot of conversations about sad boy music and, and all kind of cool stuff that we got coming up
2: number 25 save me the Isley Brothers 1969
1: Now, this is something I think that surprised me personally when I started with uh, the Isley Brothers. I did not know how big they were in music. I
3: absolutely loved the Isley Brothers. (laughs) Isley Brothers are sacred in
0: black culture. Yeah, it was definitely tanky. Ron Isley's still a pimp. Yeah, being familiar with some of the songs. And then we started listening to the whole album. And all three of us were like, this is on the list. I remember that distinctly.
1: Cincinnati, Ohio. So you were there right there in that Midwest area, right? When Motown is as big
3: as it is um, and they but just i a little bit different, some a little bit more grown, you know, again. And we're talking about black masculinity. You're talking about a man, you know, men singing. Save me. Right. And we can talk about conversations about emotional labor and what's owed. But there also has to be a conversation about the person that's willing to say, these are the things that are wrong with me. You know what I'm saying? Like, and and I need help, you know. Um, it, again, it's a side of vulnerability of black masculine that's normally uh, ignored or or satirized. Oh, look at this old fuck boy. He I mean, need to be saved. It ain't my job. You know, it ain't your job. But in community, we all got to do what we can. Subverting the trope of the masculine that has to save Right. Like this is rejecting chivalry. It's putting yourself in a position to be the thing saved. These are really complicated conversations. And I think it's easy to, to overlook them, to neglect them. But I think when we're looking at this from a social justice point of view, shit, that's just beautiful, but also resonant. Why does it resonate with us? I think these are the kind of reasons. Mm. why we, we may
1: see the Isley brothers later uh, in our decade list, not necessarily the Isley brothers, but uh, samples, music, so much comes from the Isley Brothers, and you're going to see a lot of their influence, I think, in the 90s, uh, especially you know, in, in, when Southern rap music is coming up. A lot of these samples, a lot of these... And dead-ass Ron Isley just getting on a track. is going to show up later in the 90s, so I just want to say, I got a little alert. You know what I'm saying? I got the ooh, alert. It's uh, what I like to call decade surfer alert, you know, because we're going <laughs> to see... We're going to see the Isley brothers, or we're going to see especially Ron Isley, not only the samples, but also getting on track. It's
3: something when them younger generations still fuck with you. You know what I'm saying? I remember there was a, it was a hip-hop track, Name Escapes Me, but they had... um buddy guy on there and you're like damn you know you don't really think hip-hop dude's gonna be right and you see that the the, the, the musical artists that have that real vibe to stay true to the genre to stay true to the culture man the young people still fuck with you and they bring you back i think that's something that's really amazing man very sacred
0: something that we talked about like what makes music foundational versus classic uh, having those conversations about that and how much we're going to see the 60s come up again and being sampled in other music being previewed because it continues to resonate in that timeless way.
1: I think this is a really good example of why I am more interested in the songs that we liked in terms of popularity because you know you got a uh, Isley song is a, it's your thing, um, do what, what you wanna, wanna do. do. And that's one of the biggest songs in the game. And I'm not saying I don't like it. I'm just saying this song, it's the best. This song is a you legitimately get better song. song.
3: You know what I'm saying? You already got that song. You know, it's like when you cover in poetry, do you really need to read The Raven again? You know what I'm saying? You already got that one. Well, let's do a deep cut. And I feel like this is better and more indicative of who the artists really aspire to be. It's fucking fantastic. Number 24,
2: I've Got
1: Dreams to Remember.
2: Otis Redding,
1: 1968. I've Got Dreams dreams to remember Mm -hmm. a fucking 1968 1968 otis Otis mama that that man is otis redding jr uh also known as the big o the madman from macron rock house redding the king of soul Mm. um from
3: georgia uh and uh, stacks records motherfuckers be talking about motown man and really with the exception of like Marvin Gaye, you know, that shit don't really hit me, man. But Stax, a whole label of fucking
1: kids. Yeah, no, nah, I mean, and we're gonna see, I think, uh Stax and Chess Records, right? Like that's mm-hmm. 60s, right? Ooh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> and I and I think you could probably I mean, uh, could you imagine a concert between those two records we always remember how you used to talk about like the, um, the rapper beefs, the label beefs right. kind of situation. Like, I'm not saying there were necessarily label beefs, but there had to be label
3: rivalries, right? Hey, man, the way we talk about, you know what I'm saying, hood hip-hop boys now is the way we talked about bluesmen in the 60s. Them niggas was wild niggas. And motherfuckers coming to the studio, strapped the fuck up gangster shit. And we'll talk, I think we'll talk a little bit more about Otis.
1: I'm not exactly sure, but I, I think that it might come up a little bit later. Alright, uh, let's move on.
2: Number 23, there was a time. James Brown and the famous Flames, 1968.
1: James Brown and the famous Flames came back, came later, later. They were always known as the famous Flames, you know what I'm saying? But. Because James Brown. Oh uh, no! What are you about to say? Jump oh, in, man, That
3: this is the beginning of that Gwen Stefani shit. You know what I'm saying? All you niggas in the fucking band, but all of a sudden, <laughs> one person at the beginning of the video, one person holding the fucking apple. And, and you shit.
0: talk about uh, here's another Georgia, <laughs> okay? How they got the name, the fame, flames in the first place?
1: Yeah, no, I, I, that's a great point. That those are great points. I, uh, I think that we are going to see that a lot of music, you know, and that's almost an alert, like. This the famous flames. They're a band, and then of course James Brown, like you said, the Gwen Stefani treatment. Now, like like you getting huge, of the Why band is getting a little bit of extra love, right? And then the famous flames, of course, you know the 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 drummer. I mean, most of the hip hop uh, samples early, you know, er, er, early eighties, nineties come from a lot of the famous flames, actually. Who are
3: some of the people that were famous flames? Well, Boosie Collins. I think we all know about him. Ends up in a band a little bit later that we're going to be discussing. So,
1: this a little tidbit I have. Uh, In 1965, after seeing a performance by Little Richard, uh, the group left gospel and went uh, and changed their name to the Flames. So, you know, I, I think that's a lot, right? Like, you come up in, like, this gospel area and you think that's it. But, I really, you think James Brown was really trying to sing
3: songs about Jesus? Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, no, he's a deeply, I don't know, I, think I, about it, man. Know, black people
0: you, in the South. <laughs> in fucking the 60s, facts. Absolutely. have yeah, done
3: that shit. Aretha Franklin was on that same shit. That's I, why I when you say. see him in the Blues Brothers, what is he, man? He just singing Oh, he's guys? a preacher. Yeah, he's the preacher.
0: <laughs> like, come on, folk. No, those are great
1: points. Those are great points. Uh, and yeah, I mean, this is a dead ass, I mean, this is a dead ass spiritual song because he on a, ta, huah, I mean, he he really gave you those ad
3: libs. Like, is he like he's like a godfather up to ad lib, right? Oh, you know? Yeah, that's a fucking fact.
2: Number twenty two, time of the season, the zombies, nineteen sixty five.
1: This is our second zombies entry, and I, and I just want to say, there's the one line in here that I always go back to. It's a pimp line alert. What's your name? Who's your daddy? He's rich. Is he rich like me? Has he taken any time to show you what you need to live? I mean, that's just some pimp shit right there. You know what I'm saying? That's just pimp game right there.
3: He's rich. Mm, Is he rich like me? Is he rich like me? Me. This is the swaggiest shit. I feel you when you say this is who the people think the Beatles really was, man. Are you really trying to kick it with Paul McCartney,
0: man? Well, enough people did. (laughs) They keep (laughs) appearing on everybody's list.
3: Right, right. But again, I feel like a lot of that shit is nostalgia, man. We all live in a... What the fuck is they talking about, man? Nah, I... I totally agree. Well, who's your daddy? Is he rich like me? This is language that resonates. I understand. (laughs) I understand exactly what the fuck they're
1: talking about. Can I ask how many years you lived in uh, England? Uh, Not one. Uh, uh, Keita, how many years did you live in uh, London? Zero. So what I'm saying is you think that that Beatles shit is resonating, right? But how come a bunch of people that never lived in England that really don't have much cultural connection to anything Britain and probably kind of usually stay away How can I resonate with time of the season a way like I can, but with the Beatles, I can't, you know what I'm saying? It's like, I'm not exactly sure who the tastemakers are that like get to say that this is how it is. But again, as we moving through the list, I think you can tell like it's not me trying to just beat up on people like Bob Dylan or blah, blah, blah. It's like you saying to me that these are the most talented people, but there's no way their songs can compete. With even their—I'm not even talking about Muddy Waters. If you have a to play the song
3: and add a preamble, then the music don't get to speak for itself. Exactly. Right? I could throw this song onto a playlist right now, and someone wouldn't necessarily think I'm specifically trying to set a 60s mood. You know, I might just be trying to set a Mac-ass mood, like a real mellow mood. This is a song that shows up in lots of movies, always in key and influential spots. You know what I'm saying? But again— Honest conversations about sexuality in a grown-up fucking way. Not let me hold your fucking hand. What's up? Who your daddy? You know what I'm saying? Like already in language that daddy ghosts? shit. You know what I'm saying? Right? You setting tones for like. Uh, I mean, you setting you setting terms for what you're trying to do, right off top. It's a what you're trying to do, track
2: Number twenty-one. A change
1: is gonna come. Sam Cooke, 1964. A change gonna come. Sam Cooke. I feel like this is one of the songs that's kind of got to go on there. It's just and we and so this is the second time we've seen Sam Cooke, but this is a very different song. Um Sam Cooke's death, there's a lot of let's say controversy. And there's a great documentary on Netflix if you want to watch it and you can make your own decisions, do your own research. Uh, but certainly his death um, is tragic, and this is the last song basically that he recorded. And uh, I don't know what was the movie that we were talking about that has Sam Cooke, Muhammad Ali, James Brown, One and Night in was, Miami. One of the big things in One Night in Miami that like is like I feel like the main kind of storyline, or maybe it's the secondary storyline. But for me, it was really important when Malcolm is talking to Sam Cooke, like you making all these songs that's really chill for white people. You making all of this money. And you're not really challenging the status quo. And of course, Sam is like, I'm putting black artists on, which he was. Mm-hmm. He was making a lot of black artists a lot of money. So remember when we watched the Mac, and it's like the Mac, and then his brother, which is like, you know, Goldie, and then his brother's like the the righteous dude. You know what I'm saying? Like these
0: conflicts. But it had, like, when we talk about. I mean, the the reason we're naming all of these decades, right, is also because the historical context of what's happening during that time. And Sam Cooke being inspired to write this song, yeah, based on these various conversations, but also that black people are living during a time of segregation, that these black artists and musicians are absolutely being in some cases violently turned away from whites only establishments or buildings that were designated whites only, even though they may have been invited to come and play music or just trying to chill and things like that. And like that's what happened to Sam Cooke a lot um, with the civil rights movements and black people trying to be like segregation did not help us. And you still have to atone for Decades of fucking slavery that they couldn't get past. And this, this is why part of this song is so iconic for that reason.
3: Right. We in sixty-four, right? And a lot of wild things are happening. I mean, to me, it, it plays into the inherent gothic noir that's built into black music. Gothic, right, is always tied to the concept of romance. It is looking at this thing in this idealized way, the most glamorous, chivalrous way possible. But the gothic, the gothic sees just a little bit of the shadows in that shit, right? If you got, if you have castles, right, and you have knights, then that means you have wars. Uh, and so like that's the underbelly of chivalry chivalry is a military code so the gothic sees all of that so when you talk about gothic noir you are looking at the romanticism of America but also the underbelly right and this ties inherently into the black experience we into we are in the what's seen as the most free nation in the world yet at the same time you can be literally lynched for drinking from a water fountain right but these motherfuckers are exporting freedom all around the world that is the gothic noir experience and when you're talking about someone like sam cook who's like a change is gonna come why the fuck we need change it's supposed to be so fucking great here right and this is him taking a real shot you know what i'm saying this would be like the number one r&b dude in america which by proxy becomes the world talking about, you know, how radically fucked up the politics are here. And now you can't even get these dudes to say Black Lives Matter, you know what I'm saying, because they're afraid (laughs) of fumbling the fucking bag.
0: I mean, speaking of that, though, because, uh, you know, Sam Cooke was turned away from this hotel. He was arrested um, because the whites only were like, well, a black man tried to get into this establishment. Didn't he know it was only for white people? Um, And, and, you know, we talk about this a lot. But in 2019, uh, Shreveport's mayor adrian perkins apologized to cook's family and was like hey um so we kind of fucked up but um pop, even though you know your ancestor is dead here's a key to the city and that makes up for it a change gonna come but nowadays you know what i'm saying within the
3: past 10 years you got a motherfucker like pharrell singing songs like happy
0: because
3: i'm happy like because everything is fucking great after he said mike brown was a bully you remember that you know what i'm saying it's a real difference between the way that the these people wore their social justice in the 60s. And it's the shit you got to take to their credit because this, this is a man is going to take it's going to cost him something for real to say the shit that he's saying. And yet he's saying it. And you hear his soul. You hear the remorse. You hear longing. You hear you hear the fucking Reaper on the other side when this man is singing
2: number 20 spoonful howlin wolf
1: 1968 uh, we talked about stacks record right okay so now we have chess records but not only do we have a rivalry with stacks and chess we also have rivalries within these organizations within the
3: organizations because there only be one fucking cock in
1: the fucking hen house believe that shit so not only uh, do we have Eddie James in here which I think we're going to see a little bit later <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, Chuck Berry Bo Diddley and uh, another
3: artist we might hear Muddy Waters. I'm like, you gonna forget Muddy, bro? No, I saved the what? best for last. I saved the best for last. You know what I'm saying? all these motherfuckers on the same label. All these motherfuckers, wild boys from the fucking South. Fuck what would you heard. Wild boys from Mississippi, from the fucking Delta. Gunmen, you know what I'm saying? Bluesmen run around with that tang on them. You know what I'm saying? Going from place to place, playing the fucking Chitlin Circuit. You tired of that shit? You finally come to Chicago where all of these motherfuckers from Mississippi be You out there in the era of the fucking gangsters like Capone and all that shit. You in the South Side, one of the most corrupt cities in America. This is the environment that creates the fucking sex, the swagger, the lethal bravado. I mean, this is so foundational to everything that's coming later. You know, everybody talks about R&B and its influence in rock, but people forget about blues, man.
1: Something that's interesting about Howlin' Wolf, right? So we originally had a couple different Howlin' Wolf songs on here. So Smokestack Lightning was a big, was like, I think a pretty consensus pick for all of us. It's a great song you know but there's just so much controversy about when it actually came out because you know the re- you know he, these these guys are writing these songs and and working these songs in the 50s you know they they doing all They're of this doing it all out on the circuit exactly so now like okay that record was pressed but it's not like a record that you can get you know what i'm saying it's like a mixtape almost you know what i'm right. saying like you don't have access to it so it didn't have like smokestack lightning was not even widely widely available until 10 years later which is just basically a compilation of songs that have been recorded all on one place, you know? So a lot of our difficulty was like, okay, well, this song did exist. It was pressed in 56, but it's not on an album proper until, you know what I'm saying, 68. So. I just wanted to mention Smokestack, Lightning. I wanted to mitch, uh, mention Moaning at the Midnight because those are also really good songs that we wanted Incredible to put on here. Incredible songs. Songs that lead stuff. you around corners. I definitely think that when I listened to the Howlin' Wolf album, because we all remember, we, we've we listened to probably 10,000 hours of music. When we were listening to the album, I'm like, damn, I really slept on Howlin' Wolf. I knew about Money Waters a little bit. Of course, I learned way more, but but Howlin' Wolf, I think, is one of my biggest surprises of music, I didn't have Can before we, we started doing
3: this. One of the greatest voices in music history. One of yes. the sexiest fucking voices Damn, of man. all time.
0: I and because I we briefly like discussed this as we were listening to music because I, I think for me being part of that dividing generation where you could hear some of this music on the the actual record <laughs> my mom used to have those records and we put it on and i'm used to kind of like that scratchy recordingness and the way it amplifies the sound and it, in a way that kind of touches me a little bit more when you compare to all of these songs that are heavily like mastered and cleaned up and the static is taken out. And for me, it was kind of like, oh yeah, but it's, it's different when you kind of hear that original recording and maybe it's not perfect. You hear a lot, but you hear a lot in the musicians' voices, and for Helen Wolf, I was like, yeah, my list is probably going to be nothing but Helen Wolf, <laughs> and so we started listening to other stuff. I mean, there's one memorable line in this song that, as Takey talks about the intensity of Helen Wolf, and that line is, one spoon of love from my 45 will save you from another man. Ooh,
3: That's that hot boy shit! Yeah. <laughs> You're talking about a man who has a voice that is like gravel. Carried in a silk sack.
2: Number nineteen. We can make it. Ray Charles. 1969.
1: Ray Charles. Now, I, there's a lot of songs we get to put on here from Ray. Um, there was a lot of different songs that I think we had individually picked, and it's very difficult because this man is doing soul. He's doing R&B. He's doing jazz. Literally piano. Jazz, like, like not Jazz and him singing, too. Like, dead-ass Jazz is one of the best pianists in human history. He's another Blues Brothers uh, cameo.
3: <laughs>
1: another phenomenal cameo. I mean, just really brought... He's he just such a joyous human being. But something that I think is really important that people should know about Ray is, like, he really decided that... He's gonna get paid what he wanted to get paid. Uh, yeah, he's he changed, the lord of
3: Get the Bag.
1: And and you know what I'm saying? He he was making more money than really anybody in that era. Deals that he was getting, like, changed the way that deals were being given at that time. Like, I think he did a lot of like, he lebron a lot of the music industry <laughs> back it's then. A fact. You know, man, much to the chagrin of some people, you know, because it wasn't traditional. He wasn't staying with these same labels, and he didn't care if the labels were matching. He was just going to, you know, like you said, who got the bag. Can you
3: match his offer?
1: And I think that's like a free agency kind of situation in music. And remember, we talked how much, like, the music was run by
3: <clears throat> the
1: Mafia. The Mafia. The mafia. And it's now run by something even worse. Corporate uh, a ho-
0: Mafia. <laughs> corporations. <laughs> corporations, but... Uh, yeah, they just got uh, incorporated. That's
3: all. Um,
1: I think Ray is just a, probably one of my favorite artists ever. And uh, I think he is... Remember I always talk about how I'm world-class in multiple disciplines? I think he really was more world-class in multiple disciplines. And like I said, there's a lot of really good songs he did, but I think for us this was the best one.
2: Number 18. Try a little tenderness otis redding 1966
1: this is appearance number two for otis redding uh this is another one of them songs that was written way back in the day <laughs> in
0: the 30s <laughs> yeah
1: <laughs> yeah so lots of different versions lots of different things going on um but again i think it's one of them songs that's like timeless you know what i'm saying this is um uh, it, it's intersectional. It's like something that you can feel throughout space, throughout time, throughout generations. Um, and again, I think this is something that Otis is doing really well. And, I, and I, don't, I don't want to compare him necessarily, but I really do think that artists like Bill Withers are listening to Otis Redding and going... Damn, like I can be able
3: to do stuff like that. And I really feel like they are very parallel in that way. And Once again, man, you have a person with this deeply resonant humanity, you know, and, and the whole point, try tenderness, right? This is something that still should be part of your practice to this fucking day. Like, you know, how are you being gentle with others? How are you being gentle with yourself? How are you being tender and remaining true to the soft? innocent side that that makes up part of your psyche to have that as as the beginning of a song right and then with this man's voice it, again it's just part of this conversation of black masculinity that I just don't see talked about this type of deep genuine emotionality that is non-threatening that is non-violent that is warm that is safe that is genuine
2: number 17 house of the rising sun the animals
1: 1964 again the 60s full of songs that were written decades earlier was sung by so many different people um but this uh is a chilling song and it's one of them songs that i knew that i loved but i think um when we all kind of sat down and listened to it uh, i think that we, we all had that sort of like immediate connection to this joint. Um, and the f- song, they first heard the song in Newcastle, England. It was sung by uh, the North Brian folk singer, Johnny Handel. And uh, they were actually on tour with Chuck Berry.
3: Um, and that's when they decided that they really wanted to sing this song. From stacks—I'm I mean, sorry, from chess, chess Records, once again, in Britain. So you can see how the American blues scene is setting up the whole shit for the British rock movement.
1: Yeah, and uh, again, it goes back to how come in Britain,
3: all of these white guys that are the best white guys idolize these black soul singers? They can't even get a fucking cheeseburger at an American restaurant.
0: Yeah, and I— because when I came to this song, I think I'd only ever heard the two minute uh, 58 or yeah, the two minute 58 second version, uh, which was officially released in the U.S. And that was the one I was most familiar with. But then, of course, these two were like, y- you know, that song's almost like five minutes long, right? Uh- and Or four and a half minutes long. And we listened to it, and I liked it so much more because so much of it gets cut trying to condense it into the acceptable, okay, music can only be this long because it has to play on the radio and things like that. So it could be like a lot of people like me have heard only the shortened version. We talk version. about
1: like, me and Tanky talk about this all the time, like how America's, one of America's biggest export is black cool, you know, as like, and I think that you're seeing it right here. You literally seeing a white English band picking up on Black Cool. They're, you know, doing it to their best of abilities. And then that music
3: is what's platformed. So now they've laundered this soul, right, through the consciousness of American whiteness in a way where it can be venerated again. They've made it pure, right? Even though the song is a song about a boy wasting his life chasing that thing. you know what I'm saying? If you want to hear the top 15
1: you're going to have to catch the next podcast. So so I just want to say, too, because I know music is subjective. We try to make it objective. I know it's not. But we fucking right.
0: Uh, no, you know, I was pretty upfront that these are my subjective tastes. I know it's influenced by the life that I have lived. And, some, and also... confession sometimes it's just really hard to catch me because i am like in a bubble so music that really catches my ear i am like yeah i fucking like that i don't care if y'all don't like it because i like it
2: number 16 black is the color of my true love's hair
1: nina simone 1965 nina simone i got two alerts for this one number one i think our first live alert this was recorded live and also it's uh we could also consider it a folk alert uh because this is another one of them songs that was written like way back in the day and has been sung uh, by so many different people uh again i i think our listeners probably have a really good idea of uh nina simone's politics you know what i mean but i think that in the 60s she probably was you know, the standard for me and, and probably still one of the standards I have for activism in music. You know what I'm saying? Like she dead ass was like, yeah, like we, we talk about Marxism and like she moved to Ghana. And she was really of
3: all of the voices that we've discussed. And there's been so many incredible ones. Nina probably has the most striking voice in music, certainly of this decade. Right. And, um, you know, again, it's kind of an acquired it's kind of an acquired taste, but it ripples through you, it resonates in a way that is disquieting. Her voice is, in the best way, what you could never expect. And so, for those of you that may have never heard Nina Simone, this will be a great entry point for you.
0: Plus, when you talk about layers to music, because it could be that you know, wonderful intimacy of black love, and like you know, oiling or braiding or twisting your your partner's hair or something like that but then you like listen to the lyrics because i know this was one of those songs that i just kept going back to and listening over and over again because nina simone's voice is striking um particularly in the version that we share on our list and it's also just the 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 soulful agony of of love and how it is both love and grief it's 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 that dedication and intimacy and care and mourning, the loss of it as well, and how all of that has to exist at once in this song.
3: And what a a great homage, right, to blackness in and of itself. Black is the color of my true love's hair. I mean, it's a love letter off top written to be sensual, to be conciliatory, to be... Everything. Public Pulse Vibes on Instagram. Hey, we're gonna
1: post all of these on our Instagram. Uh, it, it, we check our stories. We're gonna have all of these songs listed from 30 to 1. And also, it, we on Patreon. Like, like, do you want our whole list? Like, do you want our list of like the
3: 9760 songs? All right. If you become a Patreon member, you get the on, on, on a bridge version because that's so much more than 30 songs right and then you really gonna have a good feel of like if you ever just wanted to go back into a curated list of like bomb ass 60s music that's just not necessarily the top 40 and shit we got you Um, all right so um i'm not telling you exactly
1: i know (laughs) when the next podcast is gonna come out uh or the second half of this list but again this is a this is um the long game right now like this is we're gonna do two parts for each decade we're gonna talk more about this so this is an ongoing series uh public pulse vibes on instagram patreon slash public pulse and i am so glad that we had this opportunity to share this with y'all uh also you can email us public news at gmail.com If you have any things that you want to say to us personally about our list. Um, With that being said, uh, me and TMK, Little Tanky That Could, Kita the Muscle. This is Public Pulse Vibes Top 30 Songs of the 60s Part 1. And we are out.